the Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Locked On Browns, your host here, Jeff Lloyd, daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, guys, if you got a Alexa for Christmas, uh, you can tell her, press play. Podcast, Locked On Browns. She'll hook you up for that. I love aggravating my daughters by doing that and messing up their Alexa. They're not thrilled about it, but hey. It's a small price to pay when you get to be a father. you got to find a way to break the stones back because you're certainly getting yours broken 24-7. Um, anything you need, Locked On NFL Network-wise, the Instagram account, the Twitter account, Locked On NFL Net, everything is funneled through there. Uh, you know, Obviously, you know, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, congratulations, begrudgingly, to the New England Patriots as we head on out to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Um, what we're doing here tonight, uh, there was a fun tweet at Rod Bloom over at uh, CLE Sports Talk, also hosts the Brownie Sunday podcast put out this week, and it, it got me to thinking, because we are now almost to the point, guys, with the Cleveland Browns, that we're going to have to kind of deal with rich people problems or big team problems, and as we go through the offseason and free agency and the draft, there's going to be a move or two here that goes down that none of us see coming, and it's just going to be, and it might not even be that the player so much was an issue it's just going to be that this front office and this coaching staff saw that there was a possibility for a significant upgrade, and we're going to get into that first. But like I want to do, I want to do here, like I do with every new guest when we have on for the first time. Uh, Rod, we're kind of going to give you the floor here. Look, we're all you know covering this franchise from every level possible, but right now, I mean, it's the first time any of us have gotten to do it with the positivity that we can. So just give me your thoughts here, uh, you know, on where we are. You know, obviously heading into hopefully yet another strong off season where we're not just saying, oh, it's going to be nice to contend next year. We're talking about playing January football next year and, and hopefully stealing a W, to, this w or two while we're at it. Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Jeff. I really uh, appreciate that. Freddie Kitchens was not happy or said nobody's going to be happy with 7-8-1. and one. I was pretty happy with 7-8-1, and one. and I know it could have easily been 9-6-1 uh, and one or, or better, but... From where this team came from, <clears throat> came from last season, going 0 16, you know, bringing Dorsey in, keeping Hugh Jackson, you know, I wanted to see improvement. I was excited about the draft. What happened this season? I really don't think it could have gone a lot better. Getting Hugh out out of the way and finding Freddie and watching Baker develop. Uh, Baker, you know, play like like a veteran, essentially. Um, I, myself, and I think the fan base really couldn't be much more excited about this team right now. And we're looking at an offseason, like you said, where John Dorsey gets a second crack at upgrading this roster, and he did so much the first time around. I just, I can't wait to see what he does this offseason, who he brings in, who he drafts, and, and just get a look at what this team's going to be, not only with a few new additions, but watching guys that performed so well this year, a lot of them very young, watching them take the next step next season. I mean, I haven't been this excited about the Browns since since the mid '80s. Let's put it that way. Yes, yeah, since uh, you know, since everyone thought Patrick Mahomes was so cool last night throwing the ball around sidearm, old number nineteen, Mister Kosar used to do that way back in the day. Um, but yeah, now yes, look, sir. and and here's the thing, you know, John this year, he can attack free agency with. Well, you think you're good enough to come play for us? Last year it was more of a, I don't even know if we can bother with free agency. We'll trade for some guys because 1-31, and you're going to come play for the head coach that took you 1-31. and 31. 
This year, yeah. it's going to be more of a, wow, we'd really like to have you. I'm not sure if we got the spot for you, which is going to be weird in that instance as well. But um, part of the topic here, and you know, with Rod's you know, mentioning of it, it was a tweet of, you know, you know, what will be a surprise cut from this Cleveland Brown franchise this year? Um, or there could be a guy that's traded, which is, you know, or, or you know, just moved on and passed on. And, you know, we, uh, we got a bunch of a list of names here from you guys. Uh, I guess we'll start, Rod, with the uh, the couple of, uh, yeah, th- these guys aren't going anywhere. Because we certainly got a couple of responses that uh, these guys, which I guess, guys, if you took the question literally, which, you know, that's fine. But there's a couple right off the bat. Um, Duke Johnson, Kevin Zeitler, Jabril Peppers. Uh, Rod, I don't think these guys are going anywhere. I would I would be shocked if Zeitler or Peppers, if either one of those guys are gone. I, I think the only way Duke goes anywhere is if there's a trade. But I just I Unless, don't see it, it. And if Duke forced yeah. it, if it came in and Duke right. said, "Look, I'm sick of hearing this yin yang that this is the year you're going to get me all more involved." I was a more involved player on an 0-16 team than I was on a 7-8-1 team. But it doesn't seem like Duke's frustrated. And look, and, and to Duke's credit, maybe Duke and his management, they're wise enough to say, look, you might be one of the rare running backs that plays into your year 32, year 33 of your life. Maybe this is giving you long-term potential of making money. I mean, you think about, you know, I mean... You know, whatever his career could end here in New England, like this is a guy, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, in Cleveland, you, you think he'd be a perfect fit as a James White or all the year, types of backs they've had all the years over in New England. So it, it might be a spot where Duke's looking at more advantageous where he's going to get to play football a lot longer than any other running back ever will. That's true. I mean, and, you know, things change, but he has said, you know, that he wanted to stay in Cleveland. I'm probably going back a year or so, but... You know, when he signed the extension, he wanted to stay here, retire here. So we'll see if that's still true. But you make a great point. He really doesn't have a whole lot of wear and tear on him, especially with carries. So he is a guy who could play. He could play for a long time. Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting from that standpoint. And um, look, Zeitler and you know Joel Batonio, uh, according to PFF, is the best guard tandem in the NFL. We're not rocking that boat, guys. I mean, if anything, maybe Joel could play some left tackle and you find some way to bring Austin Corbett into the fold that way. We'll get to his name here in a little bit. Um, but Kevin Zeitler, he's he's not going anywhere. If anything, Kevin Zeitler might be a guy you want to say, hey, could we pay a little more? Because you've been pretty goddamn good to this point. So those For are some sure. name guys, and we appreciated them, but uh, those were the ones where, okay, guys, uh, that's those are big, big-time notas. Go ahead, Rod. Rod off a couple of names here for us, big guy. Well, the next two that we'll just get out of the way because I think they're pretty unlikely. Uh, first one is Jarvis Landry. Okay, look at his contract. He's he's still owed a lot of guaranteed money. I, nobody's going to take a trade on him, they're, and they're certainly not cutting Jarvis. So, so let, let's just forget about that. Jarvis is going to be here at least at least one more one more season. At that point, he's getting to where most of the guaranteed money's been paid. And it's potential that something could happen afterward down the road. But, I mean, Jarvis, I think, has been great as far as a teammate. Uh, people people can say whether they like him as a receiver or not, you know, and what based on what their expectations are and whether you're looking at him as a one or a two or a slot. You know, I think he had a pretty darn solid season. So I'm glad he's on the Browns. The only thing with Jarvis, and, and I'll keep it short and sweet, and, and everybody who listens to this show knows my bone of contention is, what you paid for is not what you got production-wise. 
And I think the production, there's a good chance it's going to be even less in 2019 as you look to get more looks for Antonio Callaway. You look to get more looks for Rashard Higgins. You have David Najoku, who should play like a top five tight end. Who So each one of those guys, you're talking at minimum 20 more targets this season. Those targets are going to come from somewhere. And for Jarvis Landry, sadly, they're going to come from his 150 targets, most likely. So, you know, unless, God forbid, an injury. But look, there's a lot of depth at that receiver position, and you've got a lot of guys capable of making plays. So it's going to be an opportunity here where you're not going to just feature 80 anymore like you did a lot of weeks. It's going to be more of a spread it around, which Baker is more comfortable with in that area. But go ahead, Rod. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And the thing there is that they signed Jarvis, like you said, they signed him under that old regime, that Hugh thought pattern to where, you know, um, Mm -hmm. um, we have to pay you to get you to come here. And we all know that, um, that, that Baker spreads the ball around. And to me, that's an argument against people talking about bringing in Odell Beckham or any of these other guys, Um, you know, these number one guys, you don't need it when you spread the ball around like that. You don't need these. And if you want an example, look at Pittsburgh right now and Antonio Brown basically losing his mind. And why? Because they drafted a young guy in Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a damn good football player and probably deserves as many targets as Antonio. This is the headache you would bring in bringing in a guy of this ilk. Not to mention, you're wasting draft capital at a position that you don't need to waste it on. But go ahead, Rod. Um, let's talk about Christian Kirksey. Because he's he was a pretty popular name to bring up. And the problem with, uh, with Kirksey is that, um, is that it would cost him a heck of a lot of money if they cut him loose right now. They have to keep him, they have to keep him at least one more season. And you have to be realistic. This team's looking for depth. Why would you let a guy like him go anyways? You need depth at linebacker. You need depth pretty much all over the place on the team. So there's no way that Kirksey is going anywhere. I think um, he still has $7 million guaranteed and a cap hit of over $10 million. So that's not going to happen, guys. Yeah, and and here's the other thing. And this which makes... Kirksey, the toughest one of the bunch. Um, Because, look, if you're looking at it financially, and, look, there's guys in the front office who say, look, this is an issue. Just like they say Jarvis Landry is an issue. You don't want to pay players more than they're giving you. But here is the caveat when you're talking about Christian Kirksey. Um, Very well may win, you know, the Walter Payton Award Saturday night before the Super Bowl. Um, He is great in the community. Um, He was here during the worst of the worst. And that's when he was playing his best. Um, this year, even with the injuries, he had a tough year. But um, one name, and we'll, we'll put it out here. I mean, we're all in agreement. It's going to take a mil- it's going to take a miracle for Jamie Collins to be on this roster in 2019. So now you're already that's down. Right. Yes, you're already down one starting linebacker. Jannard Avery was he a better pass rush defensive end than he was a linebacker? I think unanimously everybody's going to agree to that. That's not to say in his second year he can't step in and become a, a linebacker on first down and go to a traditional role, uh, you know, go to a pass rusher role on second, third down. That's certainly a possibility. But there's going to be a, a lot of upgrade. I wouldn't be surprised if you went in to next season where you view Jannard Avery as a defensive end and it was Joe and it was Christian Kirksey 
And then there were three other linebackers on the roster on game day who currently are not with this team. It wouldn't stun me. Uh, I I totally agree with you there. Uh, I've been of the thought that uh, that Gennard Avery would be playing more end anyways, uh, you know, next season. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and, and maybe that was, and maybe that's why he fell. I mean, some people thought a lot higher of him, but maybe it was the fact that, um, you know, oh, he is a linebacker, or is he a, you know, do we trust him as a defensive end? I screamed for an Elmas Duberville type. I didn't want it, like the exact size, but it almost seems like Gennard Avery is that guy. He's a little bit of an undersized defensive end if you view him that way, but he's country boy strong. Obviously, you know, if you follow his Twitter account, you know he's a country boy. You know what he does in his free time. Um, but I mean, he's strong as an ox. I mean, you know, you know, we've seen right tackles just getting driven back by this guy. So maybe that's a role. And look, you know, he can play some linebacker. But if you're going to get him 30 to 35 snaps as a pass rushing defensive end, that's fine. There's no issue with that. And it's maybe only going to help the team long term because look, Miles Garrett can't be responsible to rush the pass roll by himself, guys. Rod Bloom here is joining us here, guys. This is the Locked On Browns podcast. We, you know, this was a tweet Rod put out, and it, it, it great created a lot of you know buzz, a lot of talking. So it, it, you know, this is some stuff we're going to do to fill off season shows. Obviously, in season, we kind of had our nice regular uh, re- regular schedule of what we were doing Monday through Friday with our shows. But this is some things, and look, we're going to look for more of this. You know, to fill the off season, just to create some good buzz and it creates a good talking point um, as we get to Super Bowl Fifty Three, guys. Um, the Locked On Patriots podcast with Mark Schofield. Mark's a good friend. As much as the Patriots bug me, I love Mark to death. He does a fantastic job covering this franchise. The Locked On Browns podcast. Uh, Bear Mater does a fantastic job there. Um, if you're looking for Super Bowl previews and you enjoy the Super Bowl just to escape it, enjoy the game of it, both these guys do a fantastic job covering their teams. So go ahead, give either one of those, Locked On Rams or Locked On Patriots, you know, uh, a download, subscribe, listen to some great shows, getting you ready before Super Bowl 53. Yeah, right. Jeff, I, I, I was going to say, I kind of had these divided up into three areas. You know, we talked about the guys who are very unlikely to be moved. I've got another column here that are that I put possible. Uh, I don't think most of these would happen, but from a financial standpoint, they're possible. And of course, I'm bringing up numbers. I mean, we all know that. Look, there's guys it, in there that say we can't pay. You know, you can pay one or two guys more than they probably deserve. You can't pay five and six, and I don't care if you have a wealth of cap space. It's bad business. That's right. That's right, but I mean, some of these guys are going to be judged based on based on the the regime that brought them in. Uh, it's their performance last season. It's how they're going to fit and and schemes, you know, with the with the new uh, with the new coordinators in and the salary. So, you know, all these things are considerations. But to me, the numbers are going to say whether whether there's a likelihood that the person's going to be on the bubble or not. You know, sometimes the numbers are going to matter and sometimes they're not. So um, it just kind of depends on, on a case-by-case basis. But, you know, obviously with some of these guys we've talked about, their contract tells you that they're going to be around. So anyways, in the in the possible category, um, let, let's talk about TJ Carey because he, he came up and I think we know that the Browns had a – whole slew of guys play corner last year and i think it's a position that they're gonna uh, if they're not going to upgrade they're certainly going to bring in a lot of competition i would think at corner 
And TJ Carey signed this this huge contract, right? I think thirty four million was the number that was out there for four years, I believe. Uh, from what I'm seeing, he's he's got like two million guaranteed left on that contract. So it is possible that that they could take a hit, I think, and let him go. Um, it you know I think it's going to depend on on who they bring in and and things like that. Um, the, the issue with Carry is there's there were some great games on the resume. Um, I go back to the Falcon game where they kind of just looked at TJ Carry and said, "Hey, guess what? Julio Jones, all yours this week." You know, yeah. normally they'd be like, "What in the world? Who is thinking this?" But to, he played his butt off, and he, and he gave Julio Jones all he could handle that week. In defense of TJ Carry, there's receivers in this league who do not like touchy, grabby cornerbacks. Um, TJ carries one of those guys. Like he's a pain in the ass. Like he, he you yeah. know, he's gonna get, you know, he's gonna get into you, and he's gonna hold, and he's supposed to let go at five yards. He may do it at five and a half, and hope he doesn't get called. So he's an interesting guy here, and because look, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you've got Spider, you know, Terrence Mitchell, who you love. Um, mm-hmm. There is EJ Gaines, uh, Body Calhoun, whether or not he comes back. Uh, we all know Denzel Ward's not going anywhere. Um, there's a possibility, you know, to sign more. There's a possibility to draft more. So carry does become interesting, and if it's two million dollars to get out of it, and even still, though, I mean, this would be a guy maybe that would not necessarily maybe be so much a cut where it'd be, all right, he's not going to make it here, but now you're Cleveland, and you can look on down to the teams below you and say, well, does anybody need a corner? And it's you know, right. so it, and it you know, and everybody, oh, well, more picks, more picks. Guys, we understand, but you take the pick and you turn him into something else, whatever, whatever it may be. But Carrie is definitely an interesting name um, if from that standpoint. Um, I, I think he played a little better than he was great, given credit for because I don't think a lot of people put into, you know, it, it don't a lot of people view the way that style that he plays with, which is a little bit more older school. Rod, you're a little older, I'm a little older. I think a little yeah. more of the Raiders cornerbacks, Mike Haynes, Lester Haynes. Pains in the butt. Of course, you could get away with it in those days. And Carrie, look, he got flagged a bunch. Nobody, we all know it. But mm. it, it's something to consider with that. And look, I mean, you could. It, it, would it surprise you know if he's here and then all of a sudden, week two of preseason, you know, the Browns traded away T.J. Carrie? No, I, I don't think it would be a stunner. I not, but not by any means. Yeah, I agree. And I think people are pretty hard on cornerbacks too. Uh, you know, the league is not the way it was. 10, 20 years ago to where, to where there's a whole lot of guys who are shut down corners. You're going to get beat. You're going to give up plays. It's, you know, the best corners, you know, there might be a few guys who can shut people down, but the other guys are just hanging on for their life, trying to stop as many big plays as they can. So sometimes you don't, I don't think you appreciate what you have in some of these guys. There's, there's no doubt about that, and I, and honestly, I, I like the approach the Browns did. It's just like, look, get a bunch of them, because you're gonna deal with injuries, or a guy's just gonna have a bad day, and it's like, all right, go out there. Maybe you can do something this week. And even if you look at it, the Tampa game where Demarius Randall, who they brought in to be the free safety, it was like, all right, we're a little low on corners this week, so you're gonna get Mike Evans this week, and he did a really good job. And you know, yeah. he get, you know, it was seven for one and change. Mike Evans didn't score. He kept him in front of him. He didn't give up the big one. And we'll see if defensive back versatility is something that's going to be a thing 
I mean, I think Greg enjoyed it. We, we don't know enough about Steve Wilkes yet to know that if he's going to, that's something he's going to truly enjoy or, you know, want it in, in his guys. But, you know, this is stuff that we're going to kind of learn on the fly here as we're learning about new coordinators with this team. Yeah. Uh, somebody brought up, at least one person brought up Chris Hubbard. And, you know, he. I think people were disappointed with him in the first half of the season. But, obviously, the entire offensive line played great over the last eight weeks. So, uh, Chris Hubbard, from a financial standpoint, I think um, – I don't think he's. I don't think he has any guaranteed money left. It'd be a cap hit of like three point two million. But <laughs> why would you let him go? And he's not going to leave the team. He's going to be here. And um, worst case, you know, he could end up being replaced and and be you know a backup. You know, the number six guy, for example. But um, Chris Hubbard's not going anywhere. The thing with me with Hubbard is, um, look, could you end up a spot where if you're playing musical chairs and you go into OTAs and you go into camp and say, look, guys, we'll, we're going to figure it out. The five best offensive linemen are going to play. Um, do you bring in another tackle, whether it's through free agency, whether it's through the draft, um, where Greg maybe ends up at right tackle? I mean, there still is the possibility of Joel Batonio. He could play left tackle. Everything about him coming out through his draft cycle was athletically he can play left tackle. The tape showed he could play left tackle. You know, do they ever do it? Maybe not, just because he's that good. I mean, second-team All-Pros usually don't ask him to switch positions. But yeah. you maybe could in this scenario. So then that puts Chris Hubbard maybe as your swing tackle. Or, you know, he is, you know, the sixth guy. Um, am I keeping Chris Hubbard before I'm keeping Desmond Harrison? Oh, absolutely, 110%. I'm going to go that route. And even if it costs a little bit more and he's, at the time, just a reserve, this is issue, This is where good teams, you know, and Rod, you know and I know, and like, like and with the Brashard Perriman signing, you know, they were so desperate for a receiver, they signed Brashard Perriman on a Tuesday, he played 25 reps on a Sunday. You don't want to be doing this anymore. That's You do not want to be bringing in street-free agents and saying... Okay, well, welcome to Cleveland. And, and like Joe Thomas talked about, having to introduce himself in the huddle to the guy that he's about to block for. Those days are long in the past, kids. That's right. Well in the past. So Chris Hubbard, look, I, I, you're probably not going anywhere, but there could be a possibility that you are no longer a starting offensive lineman with this franchise. Yeah, I can see that happening. Another very popular name is uh, Emmanuel Ogba. And thing with his contract he has a contract for 1.35 million this year non-guaranteed he's a free agent in 2020 so the thing is i think i think we know that where the uh where the need is especially on defense on this team and it's d-line and ogba played you know he played some some uh end but he also played some uh he played inside quite a bit this season so he has some versatility there. You know, he may not have put up the numbers everybody wanted. I'm sure he gets hurt now and then, but the guy's a pretty solid player. He's got a great contract right now, and I don't see how the Browns would, would uh, let him go this season. Um, Emmanuel Agba at times has produced for this franchise. 
Um, I, the, the fact that you brought up that he can go in or out, yes, that is huge. Um, I think as a defensive end, um, if it's first and ten, you want him there. If it's second and long, it's third and long. He's one of these guys that can kick into the inside. Because even if he doesn't get a great pass rush, um, Emmanuel Agba, and this is the thing, he tested very well athletically coming out of Oklahoma State. Um, yes, he's been dinged up in when it's foot and it's ankle injuries, you're not going to see the explosiveness in the athletic traits that this guy did possess coming out of Oklahoma State. But what I do like is he's an intelligent enough football player to realize I did not get a great pass rush. So he automatically kind of disengages, reads the quarterback eyes, and says, look, if you're going to throw it anywhere in the vicinity that I am, there's a chance I'm going to bat the ball down. I'm going to help my team that way. We're not looking to you know, subtract from the guys who took snaps as defensive linemen for this team in 2018. Um, If you took a meaningful amount of snaps, you're here. There's going to be company, and you guys may not have played many reps as you did in 2018, but guys like that, yeah, uh, who's going to make, what, a million and change? Yeah, there's no reason to move on from Emmanuel Agba now. And look, if it's a smaller sample size... Maybe you'll get a little bit more production, and if in 2020 it ends up that he moves on, because you know in a smaller sample size, just like how the Browns signed Chris Hubbard, you know that's just the way it works, and that's the business of the NFL. And this is the whole premise of this is that you look at this now from a better franchise point of view, as opposed to for how many years everything we've done Browns wise has been looking at it from what do bad franchises do to get relevant. Now it's what do relevant franchises do to stay relevant? That's right. Let's talk about Austin Corbett because well, it, it, it I think this goes hand in hand. There's there's yeah. the there's the second round pick, you know, not the other second round pick. Uh, that kid Chubb, yeah, we're good there. But then He's there would be good. the yeah, I, I think we're going to keep him around. But then there would be the third round pick, and, and and I I don't think there's a bigger yin and yang scenario of two guys on this roster. But go ahead, Rod. Well, I've seen on Twitter, uh, you know, people thinking he's, you know, that um, just just with this tweet suggesting that he won't be around next season. I've had people telling me it's a blown pick. Um, guys, I know it was a high second round pick, but I think the team has a plan for him. You know, I think there was there uh, was an injury this season, and and obviously the guys who played on the offensive line did a pretty darn good job. So I, I can see why why he was not able to crack the starting lineup, especially as an interior offensive lineman. But he's going to be around. I mean, his contract's favorable, and and uh, I'm sure that they have a plan for him. I think that going through this season, I just have a feeling that they thought of him as probably the sixth, you know, number six or seven offensive lineman, and you're just not going to give up on a guy like that after one season. I th- the, the one thing, and this would be, look, I mean, if John John Dorsey could sit down one night and do like, you know, what he used to call them, the open houses, where somebody sits down and they kind of clear the air. One question you would have was, did you draft Austin Corbett with the mindset that maybe he could be your left tackle. And if they did, and it didn't work out, that's okay. But here's the issue, you know, and it's not a bad issue for Austin Corbett. Um, How many teams, and look, I don't know the numbers on this, but how many teams in the NFL had their left guard, their center, and their right guard 
start all 16 games. That normally does not happen. And if any one of those guys missed a week, guess what? Austin Corbett would have started at left guard, or he would have started at center, or he would have started at right guard. Um, It was just, you know, and now this, look, this could be the case next year. Um, You know, look, Joel Batonio, I mean, pretty much plays week in, week out. Kevin Zeitler, I think, only has missed one game in his entire NFL career, and that's what he was with Cincinnati. J.C. Treader, now there's the interesting one, because there has been an injury history with J.C. Treader. Obviously, you saw it this year, and he was still able to play all 16 games. But, and again, this is what good franchises have if you have, you know, next man up. And if it's a second-year player who probably should be to the point of playing, but he's blocked. And this is what's going to happen this summer, Rod, and I can't wait for it. It'll be week two, and you're going to get somebody, I can't believe our second-round pick is playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. And (laughs) it's going to be because... Guys, that's how deep the roster is, and that you know, he'll be next man up, but he's gonna have to you know get some reps somehow, some way, and you know more in the part of what we're doing here with this. But look, Austin Corbett, you know, maybe he will never be, you know, yeah, he'll not. He's he, you know, if they thought he was gonna be a left tackle, that's not gonna ever be. But it doesn't mean you know this year he could fill in for somebody injured, and then going further, going further in year three. He's a starter on the interior. Um, and he started to play really well as he got more reps at left guard. Week four, granted, yes, it was week four preseason game, and you're playing against a bunch of guys that aren't you know, on NFL rosters. But he looked really, really good. And so there's the ying. And now, Rod, we're going to get to the yang. <laughs> um, I, I was going to – did you have somebody else in that possible category? That well, I mean, about, Jeff? I, well, Chad Thomas. That's where – if we're going to stick Thomas, with these. okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's uh, on uh, the, the list I which I had for two guys, which I thought were uh, guys who are probable to not be back. So Okay, so go ahead. Go you want, those two. Yeah, whether you want them to be – you know, consider them a surprise or not kind of depends how you take the tweet. But, um, yeah, Chad Thomas is definitely – definitely one of those guys who uh you know we could definitely see him not coming back um he He literally put out a tweet yesterday the day before that said my teammates like me because i try hard i mean if that reek i mean have you ever heard of anything that just reeks of desperation more than that oh my god yeah i mean it's really hard to figure this one out because they definitely saw something in him but he really he disappeared the entire season. He just you know I don't even know if he took a snap this season. Maybe you do. But, I think uh, he took twenty two if I remember correctly. Twenty two snaps. Okay, I yeah I don't even remember ever seeing him on the field. But even when but those were before the they were playing good football. Those were before it was you know okay you know I mean because there were a couple of games where it was like Miles and Larry. All right, well this is the week you're going to sit because we're up ten in the fourth quarter. Those were the games he didn't dress in those games. Yeah, um, his contract's not a consideration. He's going to have to show up and, and earn a spot. He's just going to have to show up um, next season if, and prove that he wants to play football. If he doesn't, then he's he's probably going to be gone. Yeah, it's it's going to be a real tough road for Chad Thomas. And look, um, Chad's obviously got more on his plate. Um, you know, it, it seems he does. You know, I I I know some people. I talk to some people who follow music and follow it deeply, and. There's there's some legitimate to it. I mean, like Ch- Chad could have a pretty solid career in the you know music profession, 
and you know producing and you know whatever in creating beats uh, i'm saying words i don't even know right now rod <laughs> but apparently this is this is a skill chad, chad thomas does have outside of football he's well, going it sounds to right to me so well yeah exactly i mean he's going to have to decide whether or not it's you know do you go do music for or are you going to commit to football because being a producer and being behind the scenes and being big in the music industry and putting on added weight and you've got to decide whether or not you're a tweener in the NFL are you going to cut some weight so you're more athletic from a defensive end standpoint are you going to put on some weight and go crash skulls because this is what interior defensive linemen do Chad Thomas has got a big decision on his plate, and he's going to have to make that himself. Before we get to this next little spot here, guys, um, the Locked On NFL podcast, Matt Williamson, um, been on the show a bunch of times with Matt. Great guy, does a great show. Um, you know, the Monday show you had you know winners from the AFC and NFC Championship game. Sage Rosenfels on Tuesday, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on Wednesday, Thursday you get Mike Sando from ESPN. Friday he'll sit down, break down the week, break down the the, the weekend action coming up, give you some picks there. Matt Williamson, Locked On NFL podcast, guys, go ahead, check it out. The other guy on the probable list, Jeff, is uh, would be Derek Kindred. There's been a lot of talk about upgrading the safety position, and they are not talking about upgrading the starters. No, uh, they're not. You know, Peppers and Randall. You know, I think they're very happy with those guys. So uh, Derek Kindred's gonna he's gonna have to fight for a job, definitely. And um, his contract's not a consideration. He doesn't make much money. Nothing guaranteed. So pick exactly. Yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna have to come in and really fight if he wants to be on this football team another season. The issue with Derek Kindred, and 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 look, I like Derek Kindred. I think he's a pretty solid player. Um, you're gonna go now to more cover two, um, and I don't know how this is gonna work out, but you know, Jabril Pepper showed more playing coverage deeper last year than uh, Derek Kindred did. Um, does a good job setting the edge. But the problem is is you have Derek Kindred, who's really good in the box. You have Jabril Peppers, who's really good in the box. And I don't know how you go into year three of Jabril Peppers and say, you know what, you're going to come off the field for 20 to 25 snaps a week. It's just not going to work that way with Jabril Peppers because of the fact the player he's become. You know, PFF grade north of 80. It doesn't make sense to give Derek Kindred snaps anymore because Jabril Peppers is now finding himself and becoming a ridiculously good and contributing player. Um, you know, I think you could move Kindred. You maybe could get back the pick you invested in him for a team that's looking for a box safety. But you're going to need a safety here with this franchise who can give you more like Demarius Randall does than you need another guy like Jabril Peppers. Yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely right. That's pretty much my list. I want to bring up one more guy who I'm not sure if he was mentioned in responses or not, but uh, Seth DeValve. And uh, Seth DeValve is, uh, I think I think he's definitely vulnerable. So um, I think a lot of people like him and, and see a lot in him. He's He's been hurt all the it time. It seems like the fan. It, it seems like us and the fans really love him. But it's hard to get a read from what the franchise feels of him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, I th- I'll let you go into more detail. But you know, with this draft class coming up, I think it's definitely possible that the Browns could could look to take a second strong tight end in this in this draft class. And I think that would be I think it would be excellent. I just love the 
um, the you know the variety that that could add to the offense to have to have two pass catching tight ends. Um, you know, and, and nothing against Seth DeValve. He's you know he he's played pretty decently when he's been on the field, but he's not. He's never never has been, never will be one of the top tight ends in the, in the entire league. So I could definitely see them trying to upgrade there. The issue is, is, you know, look, I mean, yes, uh, Seth DeValve, you know, there's times where he's dinged up. But the problem was, is for the last, I guess it would be nine or ten weeks, he seemed like he had pretty good health. And he was very rarely used in the offense. So you kind of got to think, you know, and you mentioned before, and we've as we've gone through the show, there's times where, you know, there's the old regime guys. And maybe Seth has fallen under that umbrella. And, you know, unjustly. Because, you know, when he's been asked upon to do things, it's been good. Um, it, you do get a little nervous when a guy that you think could be part of, you know, your offense and your receiving offense is wearing a baseball cap when your offense is on the field. And there's been times I've seen this with Seth the Valve, and I hate it for him. But, I mean, yeah. there's franchises where I can go, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing either for Seth the Valve. It might be a thing where it, it, the best thing for both parties here is Seth the Valve gets moved on to another franchise. Um, look, Green Bay's always loved receiving tight ends. Obviously, there's a great history there right now, obviously, between this Browns franchise and the Green Bay Packers. You know, a lot of you know mutuality back and forth. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, always looking for another weapon. There's places Seth the Valve can go and contribute. I just don't know if it's Cleveland anymore. And the, the issue is, Rod, in, in, with this tight end class, and this could maybe be one of the best tight end classes in the history of the NFL draft. So what do you do when you're a team that doesn't need a lot? You go to the spot where it's heavy and it's meaty and there's a lot of depth to it, and you get yourself something from there. So that might be something that the Browns are going to look to pursue because, look, he's not taking snaps away from David Najoku. Daniel Fells, obviously an older guy, but, look, none of these guys are the blocker he is. And even when Fells was asked to be a receiver, he contributed, and he contributed with a high percentage of catch rate three touchdowns, which nobody saw coming. No. Um, he will never have to pay for him. He can retire. He will never buy a meal in Cleveland again or a drink because <laughs> he will always be the trivia question of who did Baker Mayfield throw his first touchdown pass to. That's right. And I haven't looked at the numbers. I would almost guarantee that Fells had more targets than, than Seth DeValve did this season. I, the, I, think happens, I think of yeah. Seth DeValve, I just think of the Texans game. I, I don't remember much else of him playing offensively, but I remember the Houston Texans game. You know, There was a game he was involved, and there was maybe one where it was just kind of like, all right, this is kind of out of hand. All right, let's just get some guys on the field and do what mm-hmm. we got to do in this respect. So, guys, uh, we took – you know, so here, we took a tweet, and we were able to pr- – Put it into almost a 40-minute-a-year episode. Uh, I want to thank Rod, guys. And if you were not checking out the uh, Brownie Sunday podcast, go ahead and check it out. Rod does a great job over there. Uh, good guests coming in. Um, they do Nice little segment of where are we drinking. So even if you're just looking for some drinking tips, some beer tips, they'll start you off with that. But, Rod, go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug, my friend. Well, the uh, Brownie Sunday podcast, we have a Twitter account that's at Brownie Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at CSTRodB. And you can catch my articles and everything else through uh, Cleveland Sports Talk at CLE Sports Talk. Thank you, Rod. Um, guys, it's been a pleasure here getting with Rod. And we're going to do this here. Uh, we're going to find a way to you know get some more you know other guys with Browns pods, pods on here. 
We're going to collaborate together because, guys, we're going to enjoy this. We're going to celebrate this. I mean, we've all put in our time covering bad, bad football. And it's it, it's it's just been so much fun covering good football and positive and where this franchise is headed. And like we say with everybody we talk to, it is so much easier and fun to come up with great topics and ways to cover this franchise right now because you can, I mean, the light at the end of the tunnel was black as night. There was nothing to see. Now you see it, and it all points to a jersey with a six on it and a bunch of other guys that go along with it. And once you have all this going on, it's hard not to be you know, passionate about it. It's not hard. It's not hard to put out better work than you ever had in the past, and that's kind of what everybody's doing. We've talked about this with Nathan Zagura to the, to, the, to the youngest writers covering this franchise. It's the way it goes, and this is what we're all looking for in this respect. So guys, make sure you're following Rod and all the fine work he does. Um, iTunes rating reviews, guys. Always needed, always appreciated, and always thankful. The Locked On Browns podcast, guys. Follow back account. Always go ahead. Follow. We'll follow you back there. You need anything? Got any questions? Send a DM. Show ideas? Anything? Send them over that way. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, this has been Locked On Browns, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.